Greetings, my friends. Hi to everybody from Grace Church, Shalom in Malaysia. I miss you all. I wish so much that I was there with you right now for the conference. Um, I always enjoy being with you guys and enjoying the great Malaysian food. But we're still in a lockdown in my country as well. We're hoping that Christmas is going to be a bit easier right now. We're only allowed to see one person. And we're hoping that for Christmas, we'll be allowed to see the whole family. We're praying together for that. Um, pray for us because it's uh, quite difficult to be uh, socially isolated like this. But thank God for the internet. Thank God for all this technology that allows us to com communicate. And so I would just like to thank Pastor David and Pastor Leifan for um, this opportunity to, to share the word of God with you, to share what God has put on my heart with you guys in Malaysia. The theme of the conference this year is triumphant. Now, maybe you'll, you'll be expecting that I'm going to share with you the 10 keys or the seven steps or the 52 secrets uh, to uh, living a glorious and triumphal life in Jesus Christ. But I'm not going to do that today because I believe that there are no 10 keys and there are no seven steps and there are no 52 secrets. There is only one person and that is Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth and the life. No one goes to the Father except through him. And Jesus is not only the way to salvation. He is the life. He is the triumphant life that God has for us. You know, um, one day... Um, Jesus said something to his disciples that really astonished them. It was in, a, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 19, verses 25 and 26. Um, the disciples heard Jesus say something, and they were greatly astonished. And so they said, who then can be saved? And that was a good question. But the answer really um, took them aback. They were going, what, what does Jesus mean? But when Jesus looked at them, he said, with man, it is impossible. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And this is something that we really need to understand. Salvation is impossible with man. Living a triumphant Christian life is impossible. We are doing the impossible. If you are victorious in Christ, you are actually walking on water. You are doing something that is completely impossible for man. Because this has never been a work that a man can do. This, is own, this is, has always been something that only God can do. Only God can save us, and we need a revelation of that. We're all struggling and trying to save ourselves and to become overcomers, to become victorious, but we cannot do these things. Only God can do that. So there are no seven recipes or 22 steps or 52 principles. It's all about the, the Son of God who came and did for us all these things that we could not do. You see, salvation and victory is something that only God can do, but we need to understand something uh, one step further. It is not only something that only God can do, it is something that God has already done. 2,000 years ago, our salvation came to this planet. Our victory arrived in this world. When Jesus came and he died and rose for us, and when he ascended into the heavens, he finished it. The last thing that Jesus said on the cross is, it is finished. There is nothing that we can add to that. Jesus finished everything for us. All the things that we could not do, he did for us. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says, verses 4 to 6, But God, being rich in mercy, 
You see where this comes from? The goodness of God. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when, when did this happen? Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. It's not by works, friends. It's by grace. Verse 5, and he raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Jesus Christ. You see, all these things that we just read, they are not in your future. They are in your past and even in the past before you existed. These things happened. These things were done for you by Jesus 2,000 years ago when you did not exist yet. When you were dead in your trespasses, he made you alive with Jesus. He saved you. He raised you up. When Jesus rose from the grave, God raised you up with Jesus. And he seated you in heavenly places when Jesus sat with his father on his throne. You see? This is a, a common mistake. We're always asking people, what are you going to do with Jesus? I'm going to share the gospel with you. And now, what do you answer? What are you going to do with Jesus? But let me tell you, friends, the gospel is not about what you do with Jesus. The gospel, the good news, is about what Jesus did with you. It's all about Jesus living your life, stepping into your shoes and doing all the things that you were incapable of doing. Jesus came to this earth, you know, he didn't come to show off. He didn't come to show us what God can do. He came to do what man was supposed to do and could not do. Jesus was sinless. He never committed a sin. Yet he was baptized of a baptism of repentance. He went to John the Baptist. John the Baptist didn't want to baptize him. He said, no, no, uh, I should be baptized by you. But Jesus said, let it, let it be done. Why did Jesus need to be baptized? Why was that righteous in the eyes of God? Because Jesus identified with you and he did with, for you what you could not do. He was baptized and repented, identifying as you. You see? Then he went into the wilderness and he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. But the Son of God cannot be tempted by the devil. The Son of God, there is no match between the devil and the Son of God. You could crush him in one second. Why did Jesus need to resist all these temptations and to confront the devil and be victorious as a man? Because he did this as you. He did this for you. You see, the enemy that you are struggling against, that you've maybe been struggling against for many years, Jesus already defeated him that time in the wilderness where he confronted him, where all the temptations that can come to a man um, just overcame Jesus and he, he was under the, the heavy weight of all the temptations of this earth and he overcame. He broke the yoke of temptation. It wasn't yours. It wasn't his yoke. It was your yoke. It was the yoke that was on humanity. Jesus took it upon himself and he struggled under that yoke and he broke it for us. Jesus was so humble that as the son of God, he did not need to follow the law, the law of Moses, but yet he did. He is God. He is above all the laws. I mean, God dictates whatever he wants. He doesn't have to follow any rules. But Jesus came and he was subject to the law of Moses and he fulfilled the law. All the righteousness that God was expecting of man, Jesus did for us. Jesus fulfilled it for us. Jesus fulfilled the whole law for us. Why are you still trying? Jesus 
did it. He didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. And then he went on to die for us. You know, Jesus does not deserve to die. He was holy and sinless before God. He deserved to live and to reign forever. Yet he took our death, the death that we deserved. It wasn't his cross that he carried. It was our cross, the cross that we deserved, the death that we deserved. Jesus took it upon himself and he died your death. He died my death. He died the death of mankind. And then he rose from the, the dead. And you know, your salvation doesn't end at the cross. When Jesus rose from the dead, you rose with him. That's what Paul says. Because Jesus rose from the, the dead. You, were, you rose from the dead with him. And then Jesus ascended to heaven. And you are seated in heavenly places with Jesus. Because you were in Jesus in a spiritual way, in a secret spiritual way. You were in Jesus when Jesus died. And so you died. And then when Jesus rose, you rose. And then when Jesus ascended, you ascended. He came to do everything, all the things that you could not do. And in heaven, his ministry is not over. He is still serving us. He's still doing ministry on our behalf. He is praying as a high priest, as an intercessor for you and I. He is praying in heaven. And some of us, we're praying like it all depends on us. Like we're struggling and praying and crying out to God as if it depends on my prayers. As if it depends on how, 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 uh, how uh, earnestly I pray, how, how, how long I pray, how much I fast. You know, we have a perfect intercessor in heaven. He is praying for us. Jesus, the great high priest of our confession, he is standing holy and pure and righteous before the Father as us, for us. He is praying the prayers that we are supposed to pray. So be cool and stop struggling so much. We have a great high priest who has overcome, guys. And you know what? It's not over. He will return. And he will return for us as well. Everything that Jesus does, he does as us. He does for us. Salvation is not about what you do with Jesus. It's always been about what Jesus did with you. And of course, it's about you understanding this, that salvation has, has always been out of your hands and if salvation is out of your hands, victory, living a triumphant life, that also is completely out of your hands. Salvation belongs to the Lord. It has always belonged to him. It has never been in our hands. Revelations chapter 7 verse 9 and 10 says this, After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, that includes Malaysia, from, every, from all the tribes and peoples, all the Belgians are there too, and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Salvation from the beginning and to the end belongs to the Lord. And all that you need to do is rest in trust and simply believe God. Trust him with your salvation. You know, this is not a work. Trust is not a work. Trust is the opposite of working. You know, if I, if, if I ask you to do something and I keep checking to see if you're doing it, I don't trust you. But if I trust you, I rest. I know that you will do it. 
You see, when I ask somebody that I trust to do something for the church, I know he will do it. I'm not checking on him every five minutes if he's going to do it or not. You know, that, that's trust. I trust him. I know he's going to do the work. So if I trust Jesus, I can rest. I don't need to struggle. I know that he will do it. I know that he is doing it and I know that he has done it. That is trust. Trust is resting in um, the knowledge that Christ is faithful. He is 100% faithful. And even if we aren't always faithful, there is no Christian who is 100% faithful. We believe and we know because the Bible says that he is always faithful. Salvation belongs to Jesus. A triumphant Christian life depends only on Jesus. So there are no steps to becoming triumphant. There's no methods, no systems, no 12 rules, no 52 secrets. There's only one name, the only name by which we shall be saved, the name of Jesus. Can I hear an amen all the way from Malaysia? Our triumph has a name and his name is Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, Paul says, but thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. You see, when it comes to salvation, we don't say please, we say thank you. Did you notice the first few words of the verse that I read? But thanks be to God. Salvation is not about saying please, it's all about saying thank you. It's about trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Salvation is something that Jesus already did for us 2,000 years ago in his life, death, resurrection, and ascension, and intercession. This is something that Jesus has done for us. So we don't start off by saying, please God, save me, as if he had to come down once again from heaven and do it all over again. No, it's all about understanding that this has already been done. But thanks be to God. And it's true of salvation. It's also true of triumphing, of living a triumphant life in Jesus Christ. You see, I always say this, say this but I really believe it. Thanksgiving is a much greater sign of faith than begging. This is the time of year where I, our friends in America are, are going through Thanksgiving. They're going to have the Thanksgiving um, supper very soon. We have something to give thanks for. And Thanksgiving, I really believe, is a sign of faith. Asking, anybody can ask. In Belgium, we have a lot of Catholic churches all over the place, and people go and uh, they light a candle and they say a prayer. Asking, anybody can ask. But believing and thanking, that takes faith. You see, thanksgiving is a greater sign of faith than asking. And Paul says, thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. I love the always. It's, there, is, this is, there are no exceptions to this. Always. He will lead us in triumphal procession. What is this uh, strange expression that Paul uses here? A triumphal procession. Actually, it was, a, it was a custom in the Roman period, at the time where Paul lived on this earth, um, when a victorious Roman general or the emperor or somebody of, of great importance would come home victorious after a great event like a war or something like that, he would perform what is called a triumphal procession. 
the general would enter the city gates upon his chariot pulled by four horses and in front of him all the plunder of war would be carried by uh, the, the people who were in front of him and they were showing off the extent of his victory and then behind him you would see all the enemies and they would be shackled and tied up and dragged behind the chariot to make a public spectacle of them and this is what Paul is, is, um, is saying, that Jesus has triumphed like a Roman general after a war, and he is leading us always in this triumphal procession. It isn't the only time where Paul uses that, um, that picture in the New Testament. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, it says that, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. He uses the word triumphing again. It's the same expression that, um, that, um, that speaks of the same Roman custom of the triumphal procession. And so we could ask ourselves where we are in this procession. You know, when a Roman general would come into a city, there would be crowds all around him, cheering him for his victory. There would be um, all these dancers and people walking in front of him, carrying all the plunder and all the stuff that uh, the, the, the general brought back from, the, from the, the campaign, from the battlefields. And then behind him, there'd be all the enemies tied up, tied up, shackled. Usually they would be naked. The kings and their wives and their children and their generals would be tied up behind. And uh, very often afterwards, they would be executed. And then there would be all the, the armies of the general walking behind all the victorious armies. Where are we in this triumphal procession? You might be thinking, well, maybe we are in the crowd and we're cheering Jesus. We're cheering him because he has overcome, the Lamb of God has overcome, and we're shouting his name and cheering him. This is not what Paul says here. Maybe you'll be thinking, okay, then if we're not in the crowd, then we must be in the armies that walk behind him, the victorious armies. And that, are, that are entering the city gates behind the, our victorious general. But this is not what Paul says here. Paul says here that, um, thanks be to God who, two little words, in Christ always leads us in a triumphal procession. You see, in this picture, we are not in the spectators shouting and cheering the, the victorious general. We are not in the armies walking behind uh, or proud like peacocks because they are coming home victorious after the war. No, we are in Christ. We are in the chariot with him. And this is also an allusion to um, um, uh, um, another, um, uh, another, another thing that happened in the, in the triumphal processions in the Roman period. You see, when a Roman general wanted to honor somebody, um, one of his uh, soldiers, one of his lieutenants, or a dignitary, or somebody who was very important that, that the general or the emperor wanted to honor, he would, he would reach out and take him by the hand and pull him up on the chariot with him so that he would enter the city gates and he would be celebrated and praised with the general. It was one of the greatest honors that could be bestowed upon you at the time. And this is what Paul is saying. This is where we are. It's like Jesus has overcome, he has triumphed, he has defeated every enemy. The whole universe is cheering him on. And we have been invited to step up upon that chariot with him and to be victorious with him. This is the gospel, my friends. 
The gospel is not about standing far away from Jesus and cheering him on or walking 10 miles behind him and uh, just walking in, uh, in, in his wake and, and enjoying his victory. No, the gospel is about intimacy. Remember how I started? It's all about being intimate in fellowship with Christ. Jesus reached out and took you out of the crowd and he said, come with me and stand with me in my chariot. We are going to perform this triumphal procession together in Christ. We are in Christ, in his chariot. You see, living the Christian life is not about how good you are. It's not about how persevering you are, how pious you are, how much you fast, how much you pray, how much you study the word of God. Not that these things are bad. They're actually very good for you. But it's not about how much money you give. Although the, the ministry and the church, of course, they need your support even more now than ever. And the missions as well. It's not about that. It's all about being in Christ. You can study the word, you can pray, you can sing on Sunday morning, you can give a lot of money to the ministry. If you are not in Christ, you are missing the point. It's all about being in Christ, about standing in Christ, about being intimate with Christ. During the Second World War, there was a pastor that many know. His name was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, he was executed by the Nazis. And he said something that I love. Um, this is a quote of him that I enjoy a lot. He says, if you, are, um, if you board the wrong train, it is no use running along the corridor in the right direction. I love this. If you are aboard the wrong train, it serves no purpose for you to run along the corridor in the other direction. What do you do if you're in the wrong train? You get off at the next station and you get on the right train. There is only one train and the right train that leads to heaven, that leads to a total victory is Jesus Christ. If you're not in Christ, you are on the wrong train. The, the right train is not belonging to this or that congregation, the, the best church in town. The, the right train is about being in Christ. If you're on the wrong train, my friend, please listen to me. Get off whatever train you're on, whatever man you're following, whatever inspired prophet, guru, or whatever you, whoever you are following, even if his name is pastor so-and-so, you must not be a servant of man and a follower of man. You must be in Christ. Get out of that train if you are not in the train of Jesus Christ because all the other trains will disappoint and they're leading you straight to hell there's only two different kinds of trains there's only two trains actually in this in this creation and one is headed straight for hell the other is headed for the kingdom of heaven so if you are on a highway to hell like that song says get off and come to Jesus and it's not about saying that prayer all over again. Lord Jesus, I receive you as my Savior and, and, my, and my King and, and my Redeemer. It's not about that. It's about actually living an intimate life with Him. By the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, you are in Christ. You dwell with Him. He dwells in you in perfect unity. That's what the Christian life is all about. It's not about works. It's about one simple thing. Are you in Christ? Are you intimate with Christ? In 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14, it says, thanks be to God who in Christ 
always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. You see, if you are intimate with him, the fragrance, the unction, the anointing of the knowledge of Christ will radiate, will spread uh, from you all over the place, wherever you go. They will smell the, the, the perfume of Christ on your life. That is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. This is all about being intimate with Christ. Your triumph is not something that you need to work for or that you need to work towards. This is not some kind of race where you are some kind of Ben-Hur trying to finish the race. You're not on your chariot uh, going round and round the stadium trying to win uh, against other competitors who are, who are trying to kill you. You remember that uh, old epic movie from 1959 uh, with Charlton Heston called Ben-Hur? If you think you're some kind of spiritual Ben-Hur running this race, trying to win all by yourself, get off your chariot, Ben-Hur. This is not about your race. You have already tried to win that race and you have failed. This is about Jesus' chariot. It's not about your chariot. Get off your chariot and get upon his chariot. There's some people who are trying to, 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 to earn their way into heaven or to live a triumphant life or to succeed in this life. And they're doing all these things in themselves, by themselves, because they think they can. I know I can. I know I can. I know I can. No, you can't. You can't. Only Jesus can. Only Jesus could. And only Jesus did. And until you understand that, you will keep failing and failing and failing. In life, there's only one secret to victory. It's being intimate with Jesus. It's being in him. It's about, being, it's about standing with Christ in his chariot. And let me tell you the good news. There's a lot of space in this chariot for all of you. If you are in him, you are seated with him in heavenly places. And you are on his glorious throne where he has overcome. Your enemies are not in front of you. Your enemies are not in the second heaven above you. The enemies that you are facing are under your feet. If you are seated with Christ upon his throne, high above all the powers and principalities, all your enemies are below your feet. Until you understand this, you will always be fighting. Some of you are outside in the battlefield trying to defeat a devil that's already been defeated. And so you're struggling against him and he's lying to you, trying to convince you that the battle is still uh, has to be fought all over again as if the outcome depended on you. But the devil is not there. He is being dragged behind the victorious chariot of Jesus in his triumphal procession. He is shackled and bound and all the armies um, of hell are defeated by the triumph of Jesus Christ. You see, if you do not realize this, if you are not positioned in faith in the right place with Jesus on his throne, so the enemies are under your feet or um, in the chariot, of Jesus' triumphal procession, so your enemies are all shackled and bound behind you, you will be spending days, years, fighting in the open field, trying to overcome in a battle that has already been done 2,000 years ago. This is the good news. Stop trying to win a race that has already been won. The Lamb has overcome. Don't try to defeat your enemy again. He has already been defeated. All the demons that persecute you have already been defeated. Jump aboard. Jesus is stretching out his hand to you to help you up 
jump aboard and discover where your enemies really are. They're lying to you. They are actually bound and shackled and defeated and humiliated behind you, dragged in Jesus' triumphal procession, all tied up and utterly humiliated. We need to understand this, my friends. In ourselves, we fail, we break, and we fall. But in Jesus, we rise. In Jesus, we heal. In Jesus, we overcome. In Jesus, we triumph. God's will for you and me is that, is that you finally, it's not that you finally manage with all your efforts to live a triumphal life, a triumphal Christian life, because you tried so hard and finally you succeeded. Maybe this is what's going through your mind. It's not going to work. God's eternal will for you is to adopt you through Jesus Christ as a son, as a daughter of God. That you would live from now on for the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed you in Jesus. Maybe you remember the verse. It's another verse from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. It says this, God predestined us for adoption, which means he chose us to be his sons. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. It's not in yourself, it's in him, through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Listen to this, I love this verse. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. If you love Jesus, you understand what, it, what Paul means by the glorious grace. God's grace is glorious. There is glory in God's grace. You know, there's actually not much difference between God's grace and his glory. When Moses asked God, God, show me your glory. God said, I will show you all my goodness, all my grace, all my mercy. Because God's grace, his mercy is his glory. God has no other glory than his love. The love of God is his glory. It's what radiates from him. His, we have a glorious God and he is a God of love. It's all about how, God, how much God has loved you and what he has done for you. It's not about what you do with Jesus. It's about what Jesus did with you, what Jesus did for you. He took you up into his chariot in his victory to take part in his triumphal procession. And that's not your work. That is the grace of God and his grace is glorious. Maybe you don't see it perfectly right now. Maybe you don't experience it perfectly right now. It doesn't make it any less true. This is true because it's done. It's a done deal. It's 2,000 years old. It's done. Many of you, maybe you see just a sliver of grace in your life and you're saying, well, Pastor Chris, I'm, I don't really feel victorious. I don't feel triumphant. It's not about your feelings. It's about trusting in the victory of Jesus Christ. You see, if there's even a little bit of grace in your life, this grace is the promise of God's glory because God's grace is glorious. God's grace always leads to glory. It begins with grace and it ends with glory. A Puritan preacher whose name is Thomas Brooks once said this, 
Grace and glory differ very little. The one is the seed, the other is the flower. Grace is glory militant. Glory is grace triumphant. I really love that quote. Grace is glory militant. Glory is grace triumphant. Grace always leads to glory. So if there's only a sliver of grace in your life right now, and you don't feel like you're an overcomer and, a, and, and, and you don't feel like you're living the triumphant life in Jesus Christ, this little bit of grace, it's the seed. The flower will be the glory and, the, and grace will lead you to glory. And little by little, day by day, God's grace will do the work in your life and you will experience the fullness of God's victory. And then you will be able to praise him, like Paul says, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. This is not something in you. It's something in the beloved. It's something in Jesus. God's grace is triumphant in the lives of those who simply trust in Jesus Christ. So stop putting any trust in man, any person on this earth, any president or any prophet or any priest. It's not about human beings. It's about God. All the others, they will disappoint you eventually. Even us pastors, we end up disappointing some people. Don't put your trust in us for your eternal salvation and for your victory it's all about jesus if we pastors we manage to teach you this to put your trust in christ alone it takes a whole life to understand that but we succeeded it's all about trusting jesus all the other hopes any other thing that you rely on is an idol and all the other idols they will disappoint they cannot hear they cannot see because there's only one true living God and his name is Jesus. There's only one savior. There's only one triumphant. The lamb of God has overcome and his name is Jesus. And he saw you as he was um, on his chariot going by through the gates of the city. And he saw you there outside in the crowd. And you were saying, oh, if only I could overcome like you overcame Jesus. If only I was as strong as you are. If, if only I had the, the resilience and the grit that you have, Jesus, to resist temptation. And Jesus says, do not despair. I have not done these things for myself. I have done them for you. I have done them as you. Here, take my hand and jump aboard on my chariot. And in me, you will enjoy my victory. It's not about you trying to figure out how you're going to get your victory. It's all about you enjoying my victory. And this is the, the most glorious part. Is as we rest in Jesus Christ, in his triumphal procession, in his unique and overpowering victory, all the things that Jesus deserves are ours as our inheritance. You know, all the spoils of war, all the things that Jesus won in his battle, he is letting us enjoy it. Because Jesus did not do this war for him. He, did, he waged this war for us and he overcame for us and he is sharing his victory with us because he overcame for us. 
because he loves us so much. And so all the treasures and all the glory and all the, the spoils of war that are um, in front of this procession, that Jesus is saying, enjoy the things that um, I, have, I have won through my battles and through my struggles, I have overcome and I did this for you. I saw you by the side of the road. I saw you looking at me as if you wished you could do what I did. But know this, and this is the good news. I did not do this for myself. I did this for you. And I did this as you. And as I overcame, you overcame in me. As I died, you died. As I rose, you rose. As I ascended into heaven, I have ascended. I've made you ascend with me. And I've, I've put you up on that throne with me where I am standing in heaven above every name that can be named in heaven and on earth. I have put all your enemies under your feet. I have made you triumphant in me. It's all about understanding our position in Christ. As soon as you receive a revelation of your victory, all the battles cease and your enemy moves away because he has no power against the truth. The truth is not that you will be victorious. The truth is that you are victorious in Jesus Christ. And so I pray this day that God would just open your eyes and allow you to, to catch a glimpse of this victory that you have. I hope this picture is really um, deeply uh, burned upon the, uh, the, the upon your mind that you would just realize that you are standing in the chariot of Jesus's victory in his triumphal procession in him as you enjoy fellowship with him in the Holy Spirit you are standing there if it helps just close your eyes for a, a moment as we pray and I pray father as my brothers and sisters are standing with you in that chariot of victory Lord they are no longer in the battlefield fighting a defeated enemy they are not cheering you on looking at you from afar hoping they were with you no they are standing in this chariot with you overcomers and victors and living a triumphant life in you jesus i pray that their eyes would open i pray that all the blindness would go away and all the, the, the struggles and all the the works that they are trying to do to 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 reach that position that is already theirs that all of that would just go away and let there be peace because the battle has been fought the war has been done jesus has overcome he is the Lamb of God who overcame. And I pray that a revelation of this which is enter into the hearts of each and every one of us today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Lord, let us finish this year triumphantly and let us start a new year, Lord, gloriously. Thank you for the grace in our lives. Really, God, we believe that grace is the beginning of glory. We really believe that your grace is militant inside of us to bring us to glory. And we believe that you always finish what you start. And we thank you, Lord, for this grace that will lead us into a life of fullness and glory in your son, Jesus Christ. Be blessed, friends. Um, I hope that in 2021 I will see you. I, I really hope so um, because I'm, I miss you guys and I miss some Malaysian food a lot. And also, I am completely out of curry and also spices, so I really need uh, to go and, uh, and stock up on, on those things. And so I really want to see all of you, my friends, and the church there. And please just receive the greetings from uh, our church here in Belgium. Uh, many are praying for you guys, and we know uh, that you guys are also struggling with this pandemic, and uh, um, we're all standing together. I also um, I greet all the, the friends in India who maybe are watching uh, from the missions in, in Ludhiana. 
God bless you all. Take care, my friends, and I will see you soon. Bye-bye.